Hey guys, it's Mike here. And before we begin this episode where Brian and I sit down with filmmaker Jim Hempel, there is one big thing that I want to address quickly. I want to apologize for some of the sound quality throughout this episode. So due to unforeseen difficulties with Skype connection and horrible cell service on our end, we had to do an impromptu kind of jury rig uh, to record this episode. So throughout the episode, it's going to sound like we recorded the episode outside in the wilderness, and that's because we partly had to. So I mentioned earlier that Brian and I's cell service is not very good in our home, so we actually had to go outside because it's, for some reason that's the only way that we can actually get phone calls. And so it's because of this sitting outside, you guys are going to hear some wind chimes, crickets, and I think the quality sounds like we really did record on a speakerphone, which we ultimately did. And I hope you guys can forgive us for this, but I hope you all still find enjoyment in the episode. For the conversation we had with Jim was once in a lifetime and, and just very awe-inspiring, in my opinion. You can find Jim on Twitter at Jim Hempill, as well as his website, www.jimhempillfilms.com. His films, Bad Reputation and The Trouble with the Truth, are available on Amazon Prime Video. Once again, we apologize for some of the quality, the sound quality of this episode, but without further ado, our conversation with Jim Hempill. Tours, the podcast where every week we sit down and have a discussion about a movie. I'm your host, Mike, and joining me is my brother, Brian, and we would like to welcome you to Amateur All Tours. Alright, welcome to the show. I'm your host, Mike, and joining me as always... Hey guys, Brian. And we have our guest, Jim Hemphill, again, and we just had an awesome uh, discussion with him, and now we're going to talk, uh, talk some shop about a specific film, and... As per as as I've had with other guests on the show, we always have that first conversation about you know the person themselves and, and you know leading up to the moment that we've had the discussion. To now we're going to talk about an actual film. And Jim, you actually gave me some uh, some films to actually think about that and, and to pick from. And some of those were actually really interesting. And uh, it was a few Arnold Schwarzenegger movies and and uh, Skyscraper, which definitely. I, I was I was really wanted to do that, but I don't really have the time to get to a movie theater. So before we get into the film that we decided upon, I w- I just wanted to hear just quick thoughts on your thoughts on skyscraper and why you uh at, you included that film in one of the selections. Yeah, well, I thought skyscraper was the kind of movie. I mean, you know, I think it, it takes. I I don't think people appreciate sometimes how much effort it takes to make something look effortless and skyscraper is that kind of movie it's it's a very smoothly engineered entertainment machine and i think you know it kind of assimilates all these different influences there's obviously die hard is a big one and towering inferno and then, but then there's also some enter the dragon the Norton wells lady from shanghai and and a bunch of different stuff and it really kind of synthesizes all these different influences into something that doesn't feel like it's just a, a rip-off of all those movies. Like, it manages to really... It, it, 
it does something I think is very difficult, which is it's a formula movie that feels fresh, that feels organic. And I think, um, you know, honestly, I, I feel like I only get one of those every few years. I mean, I remember the initial Rise of the Planet of the Apes, I felt like it was one of those movies. Um, and the director of Skyscraper, Ross and Marshall Thurber, I think is really, really underrated. I mean, I think he's got a sense of kind of old-fashioned craft that is less and less common and less and less appreciated nowadays. I mean, you know, if, if I can get off on a little bit of a, a rant here, I if there's one thing I really have gotten sick of in movies in the last several years, and I mean, now it's kind of a trend going back decades, but, uh, but you really see it a lot in... You see it in the Bourne movies, and you see it in a lot of American independent movies. I'm really tired of this idea that you just kind of aim the camera in the general direction of the actors, and you call it directing. Like, um, like I, I, I'm, I'm sick of handheld camera. I'm kind of just, I, I really long for the days of, of really kind of, uh, you know, purposeful craft in terms of deciding where you're going to put the camera, when you're going to move the camera, how you're going to move the camera, when you're going to cut, you know, doing all those things for a reason. And Skyscraper, in a weird way, is a movie that's really great at all those decisions. I mean, it's got this fantastic kind of opening shot that leads into this opening set piece, and it's kind of hard to describe uh, to people without seeing it. But, but Thurber is just a really elegant director, and that movie, I think, is very, it's very elegantly made, but it's very ingeniously constructed, too. I mean, because, like, I think, getting back to something we were talking about when we were talking about uh, the movie I made and the way it was structured and the way, you know, you guys brought up the point that it was structured almost like a comedian's act or something. And, and in a way, Skyscraper is like that, too. It's a totally different kind of movie, but it really, no, like, like, he really knows how to give you a ton of these kind of cliffhanger set pieces, but knows that you can't just have one of those after another or they become meaningless. And he kind of knows when to slow down and when to speed up. And I just think that movie is a really supreme example of kind of just great old school Hollywood crap. And that's kind of the reason that it was one of the movies I had um, proposed. I'm kind of, and, and, and honestly, I'm, I'm, I'm very, I was really disheartened to see that it kind of got, because I saw it a couple days before it came out at a screening, and I was really disheartened. I, I This shows why I should never run a studio. Because <laughs> I was watching this movie thinking, this is going to be like the biggest thing ever made. I just couldn't imagine how people would not love this movie. And I was really disheartened to see that it got kind of mixed reviews, and that it didn't do all that great at the box office for a typical rock movie and all that. Because I, cause I, um, I don't know, I just thought it was really spectacularly... Uh, entertaining, and, and I thought it did really great things tweaking the genre in terms of the presentation of the women characters, like Nev, Nev Campbell as The Rock's wife has, like, more things to do than that character ordinarily would in a movie like this, but it's not forced or implausible. Um, so, I don't know, I just thought it was a really beautifully made, beautifully written, beautifully directed movie that uh, is the kind of movie that doesn't get the kind of respect it, that it probably should. So that was why I had throwing that out, but I, but I have to say, it was it was a paralyzing prospect when you asked me, to, you know, what's up for a movie to talk about, because there's literally thousands, you oh, know, yeah. so, um, so Skyscraper came up because it was literally just the last thing I saw in a theater that I loved, um, and then a day after I sent you that, I saw 
sorry to bother you, which I also really like. So it's like there's always something new to talk about, and in terms of old stuff to talk about, it's just the possibilities are infinite. So the movie I chose, I chose because for I, I chose a specific iteration of that particular movie because I think it's very interesting, and I think I'm not even sure if people know it exists, and so even though people know the movie exists, I don't know if they know this particular version does, and, and I think it's really interesting, and, 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 it, and it alters that particular movie in interesting ways. So if, if, if you want to lead into the thing that I actually did choose. Yeah, so what, and, and, when, and so the film that we're going to talk about is The Last Jedi, and that, to me, stood out like, like instantly, because I think it's a film that, you know, especially as with, and now we're going to talk about The Last Jedi, but I'm sure we're, we're, we're probably going to reference some of, you know, it's very topical with the, with like the, the box office failure and, and Solo, how it's just, how that is essentially, as of right now, stopping and, and kind of changing, or so they say, changing the future of of, yeah, the Star Wars franchise and and how these uh, these spinoff movies are gonna go and and oh, I think I, d- I definitely think there's a correlation between the Last Jedi and Solo. Oh, I completely agree. And I and and it all starts. I well, there's a lot of different factors, but I think a big thing is that it starts with the Last Jedi. So when that came out, I was like, oh, this this is gonna be awesome. And like I said, uh, I I don't know if it was the last episode or like the before we started the interview. I'm actually doing a uh, collab with Dana again on his on his podcast where we just discuss the whole franchise of Star Wars and and there's just so, and like there's so much things to say especially for film buffs and Star Wars fans because because that's what we all are right now and that we D- Dana and I thought we were gonna cover the whole uh, the whole franchise in two hours and in two hours we only talked about the original trilogy the remastered version of the trilogy and the prequels so we're going to come back next week and and record the second half and and so it just goes to so there's so much stuff to talk about star wars but we're going to try and really focus on the last jedi and hopefully try and hit on those points of why they're and and, and insinuate those points of that correlation so and and you were mentioning and and we said before and this was definitely before this uh, we started recording that you so there was the last Jedi but then you actually turned me on to this version that is the the like the silent version like no dialogue only John Williams score and that is really intriguing to me but I I couldn't get I couldn't get around to watching it um and and so I that's something that I want to let's let's start off with that let so and yeah and, well, that was that was the movie. Um... That, uh, that yeah, that, that was the specifically the movie I was choosing to talk about it was not not just the Last Jedi, which you know everybody's seen and then doesn't does you know certainly no one needs my help uh, turning them on to the Last Jedi's existence. But uh, but there's this great if you get the Last Jedi Blu-ray or DVD and you get a digital copy with it, uh, or if you just rent it or buy it on this app called Movies Anywhere. Um, on Movies Anywhere, there's a score only option where you can watch The Last Jedi with the dialogue and sound effects all stripped completely out. All you're watching it with is John Williams' score. So it's essentially a silent movie. And I think it's a really fascinating... It's fascinating for a number of reasons. First of all, I think as a filmmaker... I think anybody who's an aspiring filmmaker or a filmmaker should watch this thing because you really... You know, Ryan Johnson is a really great director when it comes to using, again, you know, uh, getting back to what I was saying earlier here, 
he's the opposite of what I'm talking about when I say, you know, directors who just aim the camera in the general direction of the action. Like, he is very precise with his framing, with his camera moves, with his use of color, and all that stuff becomes much more apparent when you watch it without the, for lack of a better word, distraction uh, of the dialogue. And I think the movie itself is weirdly more... It's, it's, it's weirdly easier to follow, in a way, without the dialogue. I mean, the movie, it, it, it really makes you appreciate how great the performances in that movie are, how great the visual storytelling is, that you can pretty much follow what's going on without the dialogue. And without the dialogue and the sound effects, the things that I think are strengths in that movie, and I'll just put, lay my cards right on the table right here and say that I think Last Jedi is easily the best Star Wars movie since the 1977 original. Um, and I think the strengths of it in terms of it being a movie about uh, sort of memory and regret and uh, loss and finding new directions and all those kind of things, all the things that are thematically what that movie is about and, and the passage of time um, you know, and again, the passage of time, legacies, deciding what to take from the past and what not to take and how to move forward, all these things that movie's about, they're really accentuated by the silent version in a weird way. Um, you know, for example, I think the Mark the, the Mark Hamill and Carrie Fisher, the final scene the two of them have together, the final scene Luke Skywalker versus Leia have, um, in a weird way, stripping out the dialogue makes the sort of, it, it purifies that scene and you sort of see a lifetime of victories and tragedies and everything in between resolving between these two people uh, when you just have those actors' faces and the time that you see having passed on those actors' faces with John Williams' kind of valedictory music. And another thing I'll say is it really makes you appreciate the John Williams score in a way that I think is impossible with watching it with all the, the sound effects and stuff slathered on top of it. Because I think, you know, these scores that he does for these movies are not just pastiches of what he's done before in the other ones. I mean, you have a few of the, like, recurring themes that come up time to time again, but they are, the amount of new music he creates for these things and the variety of new music is, is pretty incredible. Um, and you really appreciate that, um, you know, watching some of but, and then, but, and then there's another interesting thing about the silent version, which is like, I don't have any patience really with the arguments against this movie by people like, look, you can not like the movie and you can have valid criticisms against it. Um, what I don't have patience for are the criticisms that are, I don't like this movie because it's not the Star Wars movie I would have made. You know, <laughs> that to me is like, well, fuck you. Ryan Johnson had to walk over a glass for years to, have to get this opportunity and then to actually to actually make it, you know, it, it's sort of like what we talked about in our earlier conversation about it. It's very easy to sit on your computer and trash something. It's a whole other thing to be the person who actually goes out and makes the movie, which, again, perfectly fine to have valid criticisms in the film, but this this idea that a lot, of, a lot of people seem to think that somehow Ryan Johnson owed them their vision of what the next Star Wars movie should be, and I find that very strange for all kinds of reasons. I mean, one of which being just personally as a viewer, I don't go to a movie to see the movie I would have made. I mean, I go to the movie to see, to be surprised by the filmmaker and to see their point of view and have my world expanded by their point of view. 
And my attitude is like, well, if you don't want that, then play the video game if you want to be in control of the narrative or whatever. Um, and But the interesting thing about the silent version of, of Last Jedi is in a weird way, it's both more satisfying for somebody like me who loves The Last Jedi and finds that, finds that the silent version kind of amplifies the things I love about it. I think it's also, it also works, though, for people who, did, don't, who, who do have that problem with what Ryan Johnson did and didn't like the movie he made and have their own ideas about what it should be. You, in a weird way, can read your own movie into it more because it doesn't have the dialogue and it has a sort of more, it's, it's so much more open to interpretation that in a weird way, maybe it's more satisfying for people in the sense that they can kind of say, well, forget <laughs> this shitty story that John wrote that I don't like. I can, uh, you know, I can make up my own story with it. So it's both more precise and pure and more open. And I find that all very interesting. And I think it, it also, you know, look, I'm obviously not a guy who doesn't like dialogue in movies. I mean, my both the movies I made are so dialogue-heavy, they make, uh, you know, they make my dinner with Andre look like a silent film. But but I, uh, I do think there's something powerful about... A, there's something powerful about silent filmmaking, and there's something powerful about... Je- what, what, what The Last Jedi music-only version makes you realize is just how powerful the human face as an expressive tool is because that movie is just filled with scenes, um, not just with Hamill and, and Fisher, who I think, I mean, I mean, Mark Hamill's performance in that movie, I think is like on a par with, you know, Robert Forster and Jackie Brown or something in terms of being this kind of great late career, uh, expression of kind of weary resignation crossed with kind of like, angry romanticism or something. I think it's an incredible performance. And I think it is, again, much more evident in this silent version. But even the people who are newcomers, I think their performances actually are all better served by the silent version. Because, you know, honestly, with Star Wars movies, like, I love Star Wars movies. I like every single one of them, including the prequels. But let's face it, the strength of Star Wars movies has never been their dialogue to begin with. They always have this kind of creepy... There's always these, you know, this, this, this kind of creaky, hokey uh, artifice to the dialogue, and um, especially, I guess, in, you know, the prequels. But, but look, in all of them, it's there. And uh, so it's really, I would really recommend it to anybody who likes the Star Wars movies, likes Last Jedi, and again, if you were one of the Star Wars fans who didn't like Last Jedi, I think it's an interesting, um, you know, I'd be interested to see what people who don't like it uh, would think of it if, 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 if they could be convinced to watch it. I, I would be really interested to hear if, they would, uh, if it would warm them to it or not. Yeah, and one of the things, like you said, people got angry at this movie because it's not the movie that they would have made. And I'm, I'm with you, like, fuck you. And... Because that's that's ridiculous. And and my response is if you wanna if you wanna go watch the Star Wars movie that you would have made, go watch Rogue One. And 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 I I really don't like Rogue One. To me, like yeah, it's a it's a competent film. Like there are some positives to it, but to me, it encap it encapsulates everything 
wrong that I think of with Star Wars. Like, pointless fan service, just stories that don't need to be told. And it's just like, this film, I felt like they went on, like, the Star Wars, like, what is it, like, the Wikipedia page? And they just took, and they took, like, a, like a fan, uh, like a fanfic and said, alright, here we go. And 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 that to me just bothers me. And then and like again, not not really getting into much in the Rogue One or Solo. But then, in my opinion, like I love Solo. I thought Solo did every. I thought I mean yeah, it's it's flawed, but it's it's in my opinion it's for it's forgivable, and it did what these spinoff movies should. And that's where I think like that's why Rogue One pisses me off, and that the the fit like the hatred for this movie um, um so like petulant and like childish it's like so ridiculous. like there's that there's that uh that petition going around to decanonize this like that's that's like if i haven't heard a in a, like a 10 year old argument it's that like like i didn't like the movie so let's just forget about it like that's it's so childish and that's the thing that the two things that i have to say about it is that that's kind of that will ultimately be the downfall of star wars cuz it's like you just have a fan base that's so childish and will just bitch about everything that real talent will shy away from it. I'm so glad yeah. that they that they got um, Ryan Johnson has his own trilogy. I because I agree, like I love his direction and I loved what he did with. I mean, there are things I obviously didn't like with the film, but that's fine. But overall, I thought it was I had a very positive experience with the movie, and I'm very glad to see what he can do with his own kind of pace without having to go off like the coattails of J.J. Abrams' stupid mystery boxes. Like, uh-huh. I, I, I'm, very, I'm very excited to see what he can do with his own material and own storyline, but I guess I wanted to hark back more on, like, the, the idea that competent filmmakers who aren't J.J. Abrams won't, will not want to be a part of the Star Wars franchise, and I, and I feel like that's, that, that's what I'm more afraid of, you know? Yeah. yeah I, well, I think the perfect word that you, you both used those arguments is childish. I mean, it is, it's very silly. I mean, it's like, look, I don't care, I mean, you know, even if you hate individual films or whatever, and I mean, look, they went through this with the prequels, which, you know, again, I liked, I know a lot of people hated them, but this idea, again, it's fine to hate the prequels, but this idea that somehow, like, George Lucas destroyed your childhood by making them or something, it's like, they don't affect, they, they don't suddenly negate the other movies, you know, Star Wars still exists, you know, Empire still exists, Jedi still exists, um, they're not, uh, you know, although I guess there's a whole other side thing about Lucas's fucking around with them and all that, but, yeah. but oh, I, guess yeah. they don't, I guess they don't exactly exist the way they did, but, um, but this whole notion, yeah, this, this, this child, this petulant childish thing, I, I, I and here's the thing, I, I agree with you, I think it is, I don't know that it's going to scare filmmakers away or not, I mean, I think my attitude, if I was going to make one, you know, if, if, which I would love to. In my wildest fantasies, you know, Kathleen Kennedy, you know, saw one of my movies and liked it. It was like, hey, you want to do a Star Wars movie? The first thing I would do would be deactivate every social media account I had. And I would, <laughs> yeah. not, look, and I would not look at Facebook or Twitter or anything again until I was done with the movie. Because I do feel like it would be completely paralyzing and harmful. And look, it's, 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 it's a no-win situation because... Uh, had Ryan Johnson, you know, it's like it's, it's like people will bitch no matter what. Uh, you know, those a lot of those people. They're, you're never, you're never gonna make the movie that's gonna please those those people. I don't think because, like you say, you can if you you can pander and do something that's just checking off all the boxes on the Wikipedia page, and that's not really gonna. Then people are just. I mean, look, a lot of people criticized the J.J. Abrams one because they said it was just an imitation, too derivative. You know? Yeah. 
yeah, it was too derivative, whatever. And then they bitch because Ryan Johnson's they think is too different, and you know, whatever. You, you're never going to satisfy those people. And I think, I hope you are, I hope you're wrong about people, like, good filmmakers. Oh, me too. Because, like, like, I would love to see, you know, look, I'd love to see what Christopher Nolan would do with a Star Wars movie. I'd love to see what David Fincher would do with a Star Wars movie. I feel like those guys would be yeah. like, I don't even care. You know, amazing, they're, they're too established. They 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 would do yeah. it and I mean, then say fuck everyone. Or maybe get that David Lynch Star Wars. That <laughs> oh yeah, but yeah, I, yeah. I, I mean, I I'd love to see what those people would do with it. And I think um, you, you know it'll be interesting to see. I don't know what's gonna happen. You know, I mean, and Solo is a weird thing. I mean, I think Solo. Um, I like you know I like Solo. I I I think maybe. I think maybe it's just as simple with that one as that I don't know. That, and, and look, you know, everything's relative. Like this idea that people treat Solo like it's a failure. That movie made $600 million. I mean, like it's not, a, it's like we should all fail. So, oh, yeah. you know, so, so, so heavily. And, and this idea, you know, I think the internet has, can create this, you know, creates this, these weird perceptions of things like, like this perception that somehow last Jedi was a disappointment. Well, by what criteria? The movie made over a billion dollars worldwide, and it's at 91% on Rotten Tomatoes, which I know I just complained about how stupid Rotten Tomatoes is. But, but look, the point is, it certainly wasn't a critical disappointment. It certainly wasn't a box office disappointment. You know, yes, there's a very noisy contingent of disgruntled, uh, I don't even know what you would describe these people as, you know, people who think for some reason... Ryan Johnson owes them their vision of Star Wars, which I don't know how he was supposed to know what that would be anyway. But, you know, these movies, it's not like Star Wars has had some major flop yet. So I don't know. It'll, I don't, it'll be interesting to see what direction the new J.J. Abrams one is in, goes in. It'll be interesting to see what the new Ryan Johnson one's going. It'll be interesting to see where... I have no idea what Kathleen Kennedy's, you know, what kind of internal discussions are going on between her and Disney and Lawrence Kasdan and all those people about all this stuff and you know if if they're affected or not by any of this fan chatter um, and it'll be interesting to see where it goes I mean I, I you know and it'll be interesting to see if they do get filmmakers who are not David Fincher and Christopher Nolan like people you know if they get more people like the Ryan Johnsons of the world who are interesting directors but not necessarily you know huge hugely successful auteurs coming in um, it'll be interesting to see how they are affected by all this stuff. Because again, like I say, I, my answer would be, my solution would just be to try to shut it all off because I can't imagine yeah. making a movie under those circumstances worrying about those uh, those voices on the internet. But of course the problem is you can't really turn it off because even if you turn it off, you're, yeah, you know, I was watching a making of thing on The Last Jedi Blu-ray and one of Ryan Johnson's, you know, it's like Mark Hamill was talking about something somebody was saying on Twitter, and one of the crew members was talking. So it's like you're still going to hear about it. You're still going to hear about whatever people are saying, and it's. It, uh, I don't know how you, you know, it, it's it's hard enough making a movie. I feel like there's so much self doubt anyway when you're making a movie. I, I can't really imagine the insane cacophony of voices that must be in your head if you're making a Marvel movie or a Star Wars movie or one of these movies that has these enormously rabid, you know, fan bases. Yeah, I guess my next question would be, since we were, me and Mike were too young, really, to, we were, we kind of just had fun with the prequels since we were like, what, five, between the ages of five and ten when they came out, um, w was this kind of general, volatile, hostile reaction 
was it is it kind of was it at all similar to the George Lucas you know uh, films that came out? Because I know if anything, the prequel trilogy is you know more quote egregious than uh-huh. the, the last. Was it was it more kind of what we were seeing today with the Last Jedi, or is it? The, yeah. the 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 age of social media creating this like echo chamber and hive mind mentality. I, I mean, I can't imagine what the reaction would have been when social media existed I, because I feel like it was that without social media, like that it was it was crazy the <laughs> negative reaction that those movies met with, and and I think with all this stuff, you know, a lot of it's just tied to, again. You guys used the word childish, and it a lot of it's connected to people's kind of just self-indulgent childhood nostalgia. I mean, it's like, I, you know, look, I, I, I saw the first Star Wars when I was, what, I was five, I guess, when that came out. So, like, I saw Star Wars when I was five. And, you know, I don't expect to react to the new ones the same way I reacted when I was five years old. It's ridiculous to think <laughs> you would. I mean, like, you're... you're, you're but I, but I think there is, I think, you know, I think when, like, when, like, people do, they somehow are mad that they're not having this pure emotional response to the movies. It's not this magical experience it was when they were five. Well, you're not five anymore. So, like, it's not going to happen. And I think, you know, to, to somebody who's five seeing Last Jedi for the first time, they probably are having the exact same magical experience watching that movie that I had when I was five watching the first one in 1977, you know? Um, but yeah, the reaction to the Lucas prequels was insane. I mean, it was, <laughs> and, and look, in a way I get it because they were reinventing what those movies were. They didn't look like the originals. They weren't, you know, they were very different. And I actually liked that. I, I sort of um, respected Lucas for trying something different. It's like, what's the point of remaking the same movies over and over again? I thought it was, you know, interesting. And I even particularly liked Attack of the Clones, which I know is really disparaged by most people. Um, Not so much because I thought the story in Attack of the Clones was so great, but I just thought, I, I felt like visually the technology had finally caught up with what Lucas wanted to do all along. Like, I just think the visual density of Attack of the Clones is amazing. The way he will, you know, just little visual details in the background that most filmmakers, they would make it the focus of an entire scene. He's got so many visual ideas, he can afford to throw them away and just be like, have them on screen for a couple of seconds. And so I really like those movies, but yeah, the, the, the reaction from fans, you know, again, it was like people were, you know, saying that he raped their childhood and all this kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, look, I, I, I get being disappointed by it sequels. I mean, I, I just this weekend, I watched um, Phantasm Ravager, and I'm a big fan of the Don Coscarelli Phantasm movies. You know, I, the original Phantasm is one of my favorite horror movies ever made, and I love the sequels, Phantasm 2, 3, and 4, although I feel like each one is a little bit less great than the one that came before it, but I like all four of those movies a lot. And I just watched the fifth one, which Coscarelli did not direct, and I kind of had the reaction to it that I suppose a lot of people had The Last Jedi, where I was like, this is not, like, this has gone too far afield from the spirit of what those movies are. Um, And I didn't like it, but, you know, okay, so I didn't like it. I'm never going to watch it again. It doesn't ruin my love of the other ones. I don't feel the need to start a petition online that we have to suddenly, like, say, this doesn't count as a phantasm movie or something, you know. I I, I don't know. I, I, I sometimes wonder if the 
being so angry, whether it was about the prequels or whether it's about Last Jedi or whatever, people people being that enraged over something like that. I mean, I have to assume it's misdirected anger to a certain point. I mean, I just think like we live in times right now where we all feel so out. Of, I, I feel like everyone feels like so out of control. Like I feel like we have no like. There's just like there's no control over. You know, we've got this like insane person <laughs> running, it's, running it's, the it's, country. It's it's fucking scary times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's got we got this like crazy guy running the country. We've got you know there and, and the way he got elected was by people who felt not in control of their own lives. They were like, well, let's blow up the system, see what happens, and then you know, so like they don't feel they feel afraid and not in control of their own lives. Then people like me feel out of control of their <laughs> lives because of that guy. Because those people put this lunatic in there, you know. So I think there's like, and I think when you when you don't when you feel like you have no control over your life, and when you're afraid, that kind of manifests itself as as anger. And it's like, and it's like, in a way, it's an easy. We can't. None of us can really like correct the systemic things that are making the world scary right now. And so it's almost like you look at like, well, what can I control? I can control my response do a fucking Star Wars movie and I can get a bunch of got people riled up on the internet complaining <laughs> about Star Wars, you know. It, it, it's, I don't know. It, it, so, it, it's, a, it's a very strange... Yeah, I guess what happens when you can't escape through escapism, yeah, <laughs> through movies, I don't know. Yeah. But you'll see in it. <laughs> yeah, and... Yeah. It's definitely, I don't know, like, The Last Jedi, like, to me... It was it was good. Like now, I have my problems with the movie. Like I like I thought the movie was narratively like kind of a clusterfuck. Like I really I thought that the stuff that was more f- that was interesting it wasn't really focused on as much as I thought it should have. Now that's not now I'm not gonna be like a little baby and be like the movie sucked. But like um like I thought the whole like the there's the a plot with with um with Ray and Luke and Kylo. Then there's the B plot with Poe and Leia and like the rebels escaping. And that one I could forgive, but the C plot I thought was kind of just pointless. Just yeah. Rose and Finn just like shoehorning like politics and, and like that people make money off of selling like weapons dealers and stuff. You see what they were trying to do and, but at the same time, I thought I I just didn't really I didn't really think it should have been in this movie. Um, and I just I just thought there were missed opportunities. Uh, but I mean, a lot of the things that people had problems with. I mean, I had no problem with Snoke being killed. I actually thought that was very interesting. I thought Kylo and Rey, their relationship, them them teaming up was awesome. I mean, I thought the fight could have been executed a little bit better. But like, that's nitpicking. I, I just meant. The whole character of Kylo oh, Ren no. is incredibly yeah. fascinating, oh, I and I, I absolutely love what they do with him in this film. Yeah, and yeah, so there's, I mean, there's that, and 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 I actually, I I looked up a video of just like Star Wars Last Jedi analysis, and and I, I found this video. It's called the la, la, There's like ten reasons why the Last Jedi is a complete cinematic failure, and I'm like, all right, this will be good, and I only took down like five of them. And some like some points I agreed, but that doesn't mean I th- like I-, I don't really think it's a cinematic failure because I agree with some of these points. Like the narrative, um, the narrative kind of being all over the place, and uh, but a lot of these like seem to be nitpicking. Like w- like the second point, it it says broken hyperspace as I described it, and this guy 
was talking about, you know, weaponizing hyperspace and hyperspeed. And, 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 and he describes this as like a wormhole. Like that's what hyper, like traveling through hyperspace is. But then I'm like, wait a minute, but that doesn't make any sense. And like, again, trying to apply logic, really applying logic. Well, that's what I said. I'm like, why are you applying logic to one? Like, to this to this fantasy world and two like if you want to apply logic like I'll go there like I'm a I'm a science major I love talking about astronomy and stuff now am I do I really fully comprehend it no but I kind of have a basis and my understanding of like what hyperspace was and hyperspeed and light speed is that this was just merely a representation of traveling that fast and even if you again want to go into logic in the first movie when we're about when the Millennium Falcon and they're about to shoot in the hyperspace for the first time, Han says, No, we can't just shoot through because we have to have the nav like the Navic computer because then we would go through a planet. And and so this so again, this logic of oh it, it opens a wormhole and wormhole that's not how wormholes work. But if you're bringing in the logic of science in a Star Wars movie, you've already lost it. Yeah, I know. Which is I agree. But but then and it bugs me because this goes into like a fan in my opinion, is one of the coolest visuals I've ever seen in a Star Wars movie when it's just total silence, you know, really taking advantage. When when Laura Dern just turns that ship around and says, fuck you, and just goes straight through Snoke's ship. And and also taking... That, da- image, that image cancels out, I, I feel like, a lot of whatever... Like, I, I, I'd like the sort of third <clears> subplot <throat> more than you did, but I, I, I agree with you that it's definitely the weakest element of the movie, um, but I feel like that shot almost cancels out every every slow spot in that movie. It's such, yeah. Oh, yeah. I there... agree. It's like one of the great images in any sci-fi movie. And there were audible, there were audible gasps, and, and I saw this movie with my dad, and, and it was actually a packed theater, and I remember, I, for one, was like, holy shit but then everyone i heard just like dead silence and people were like whoa like and it's 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 truly yeah, all inspiring that sure sounds like a cinematic failure to me yeah exactly it's like you're you're taking one of the greatest shots in my opinion of star wars and you're like oh it it's stupid and you're like how i why, i i and, and that to me is just star wars fans or like the people that we're being again being childish. Like you're just trying, you're just pulling from nothing at this point. And and I'm trying to, I'm looking over, I'm trying to see what else. Uh, yeah, so, someone said, oh, the jokes don't work. Which, okay, like what does that have to do? That doesn't make it a cinematic failure. Or oh, this I literally have in quotes. Rose sucks, and I'm like, no, she doesn't suck. I thought, I thought, I, I thought she. Yeah, it's just like, did a twelve year old write this review? Uh, and and it was. It was a grown man, and not to say he doesn't have some points, but to call it a cinematic masterpiece is such an over exaggeration. Oh, oh, yep, that's what I meant to say. Failure. <laughs> well, the the uh, you know the whole point about the reality and the science, whatever. I mean, yeah. First of all, uh, you know, you're talking about a series with like fucking you know talking miniature bears and stuff. I mean, it's like this this. Complaining about the lack of reality in Star Wars is like complaining about the lack of musical numbers in Vertigo. I mean, it, it, it's, just, it's completely absurd. Um, but but even if you are going to make those complaints, it's like this goes back to the whole argument again. And I don't want to get into a whole, like look again. It's perfectly valid for people to not like what they don't like, you know. And but um, but going back to this argument about filmmaking versus film, you know, not criticism but just response. 
Um, I guarantee you, Ryan Johnson, over that however many years he spent on Last Jedi, this guy thought about every option for every every scene in that movie. There's nothing you, the guy who wrote Ten Reasons Why This Movie Is a Failure, there's nothing you are you are thinking of here that didn't cross his mind and that he didn't think through and didn't decide. You know, your filmmaking is all about weighing pros and cons and weighing things that work versus things that don't and and prioritizing things. And, and you're often making decisions in filmmaking. Like you're often sacrificing one thing for another. And sometimes you're sacrificing a certain degree of plausibility for a cool effect or for an emotional response or whatever. And like the idea, the pomposity of this, this nincompoop who wrote this, this piece to think that he somehow is like, Catching Ryan Johnson <laughs> in these these you know failures of logic. I mean, it's just ridiculous. It's ridiculous. You know, it's kind of like when Steven Soderbergh made Traffic. People would be like, "Well, it didn't it didn't include this side of the argument. It didn't include this side of the argument." It's like, well, Traffic was a two and a half hour movie. It wasn't a three week long seminar. And and again, Soderbergh. I know for a fact that Soderbergh and his writer Stephen Gagan explored every one of those topics that people complained about not being in the movie and they didn't fit into the framework of the narrative, the structure that they ended up creating. And it's like the same thing with these, these Star Wars movies. I mean, Ryan Johnson, I guarantee you, you know, has thought about and, you know, explored every possibility for this movie and thought about the Star Wars universe far more and more in depth than most of these guys who are casually trashing it on uh, the thing. But, you know, I, I, look, I don't... The, as soon as I see any kind of headline that says 10 Reasons Why Anything, I know I'm not going to read that article. Because <laughs> that's, like, another one of the things that I feel like that, that, that kind of clickbait garbage is, like, just another one of the kind of downfalls of, you know, online... Serious, serious film thought online. It's like any time people do one of those, you know... Yeah, I, reasons why you know. Yeah, I completely no, agree. Any movie with Ashley Judd where she's not wearing a skirt, so. Yeah, and it's it's just yeah, I know I completely agree that those ten reasons why are just complete clickbaity and 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 I don't know the ones that I had seen. Yeah, like I said, there were some you know valid claims, but it's the ones when you know people I think sat down and were like you know like here like in a rational tone like this is what I thought and these are the problems that I had. And all right, we're gonna move on and see what happens because in the end, it's just a movie. And yeah, film has a lot of different. It means a lot of different things for a lot of different people. And and yeah, art is a form of escapism. And I think that's a very poignant point of you know people being afraid in reality and then they can't escape it to their escape. It's so and so they get irrationally angry. And that you know that's I think a point that is ignored but I just, I just definitely think that the hate for this movie is just so like I just I keep saying over exaggerated and unwarranted and I and, it, and honestly it's just so it's just annoying and it's and, and that's why I'm I'm more concerned about the future of this franchise is you know we're I mean I have no idea what Ryan Johnson's trilogy is going to be I'm super excited because he was the one director who I mean, and it's and it's interesting. I mean, they say he had total creative control, which I I hope is true. But I I kind of 
in this how controlling Disney is, I don't really 100% believe that. But if it's true, that's awesome because then he was the only director that subverted my expectations of this film, and in in, in a good way, and that I was genuinely surprised in some of the things. And for the most part, I I liked most of his changes. I liked how supposedly Ray's parents are nobodies. That's what that was what I wanted, and I thought that was more fitting for the theme of Star Wars. I liked that Kylo killed uh killed Snoke. I thought that was a really interesting twist. I and and also because it also fit for the character of Kylo because you know he's got the attitude of you know what fuck it like. Fuck these guys! Fuck, fuck the dark! Screw the, screw the light! Like we're, I'm in this for myself and Ray. We can be of like the dynamic duo together, and we can do some great things. And just like, f- and yeah, the the common theme he says, forget the past, like kill it if you have to. And I think that that's a really interesting way to take the character of Kylo. And I'm and now the one thing that I didn't like about the Last Jedi, especially with the ending, like now. Empire Strikes Back's end on such a like a bleak note. Like it's kind of hopeful, but you're really unsure. But you want to see what happens in the next movie. With the Last Jedi, I was confused because and and one of the problems I have with Poe is like right after that epic like bombing battle in the beginning of the movie, but all the bombers are lost and Poe comes down. And he's like smiling and like joking around and it's like all the like. And he goes to Leia and says, oh, there were heroes on that mission. And then Leia says, dead heroes, but there are no leaders. And I think that's, like, a very interesting point. And, like, Poe never really... And the and it seems like the Resistance never really recognizes, like, the loss of life that they experience. Especially at the end of the movie. Because so much of the, re- of the Rebellion is now, like, they're at their lowest point. Especially at the... Even lower than they were at Empire Strikes Back at Hoth. Like, they are at their lowest point. And the movie ends on this weird note that they're all like, yeah, they're happy to be alive, which is fine. But they're all, like, smiling, and they're not really... And and I never got the impression that they're like, oh, shit, what's gonna happen now? Like, there's this hopeful note, but... Like it, I think the movie should have ended with them, like all in the Millennium Falcon, and then them like just speeding through hyperspace, and and yeah, and I liked I liked the addition of the child in the end who's force sensitive, like yeah, it's the spark of the new resistance, but I never really got the impression that they were like, oh shit, like what's going, what's next? So I, I don't, I'm now I'm going into the next movie only interested in the relationship between Ray and Kylo, which is ultimately like the one thing that I think is the most intriguing part and that we should care about. Uh, but I don't know. I just, I just kind of had a very mad reaction to that and that there was no like sense of, of dread or loss of life or, or, un, or just being unsure of what's to come, which I think is what's so powerful about the empire strikes back is it does end on that kind of a downer beat. So I don't know, Brian, would you, did you what did you have to say? Did, what did you think about the ending? Do you did you did it? Did you think of that or? I didn't really think of that. Uh, it, I just thought it was like a new. If anything, honestly, I keep harking on like Kylo Ren because I'm just like I'm always I'm more curious about him uh, than anything else because uh, I know Ray Ray's pretty uh, OP. I do I, I think she's like very overpowered and uh, but it still works. Um, see that that's my mantra about Star Wars that I said in this in our solo review is that it's like I don't care. Like, it's fun. I'm not going to overthink it, you know? As, as it's meant to be, it's just supposed to have fun. Uh, <laughs> so, that's pretty much my opinion on the end. Oh, I mean, that's that's fine. Each his own. It's just what I thought. And But it doesn't... It doesn't... 
it doesn't make me hate the movie. It's just like, okay, that could have been done, in my opinion, a little bit better. But I'm still excited for the next film and to see where these characters go. Where some of these people are like, it's killed my interest in Star Wars. And I'm never going to see another Star Wars. And you're like, that's bullshit, but okay. I guarantee you, every one of those people is going to be for show first day for the next one. Yeah, just like the next episode is going to make even more money. It's going to make a fucktillion amount of money, too. So Yeah, yeah. I mean, the Lucas, the Lucas prequels, for as much as people supposedly hated them, you know, they were every every year they made one, it was like the biggest of the, year of the summer. So. Yeah, yeah. Like I'm sure there's, I'm sure there's gonna be some boycott of like whatever the next film is. But then the same people say, oh, let's boycott the film. They're gonna buy Star Wars memorabilia, like Star Wars shirts, action figures, all this shit that goes right to Disney. And you're like, great, that boycott did a whole lot. And then it's still gonna make three billion dollars. Like it doesn't matter. I think those are the fans that are gonna yeah buy like. The me- the commemorative like popcorn jug and like and all that other shit like. But they but they don't like Star Wars. Remember that. <laughs> but yeah, I I don't know. I I definitely I did enjoy this film though. Like I guess we can because we we had a very a, a a great discussion about it. I I definitely want to hear, you know, the recommendations and the closing thoughts of this. Um, I guess I guess I can start. I I did enjoy the film. I did have my problems with. You know, just the narrative, really. But like you said, and I'm really interested, Jim, about seeing that uh, the silent um, film version of this. Because throughout the whole time I was watching this, I thought, wow, the cinematography is great. The framing is great. I thought one of the, the, the best moments throughout were when Kylo and Rey were speaking to each other and just following that, you know, 180 degree rule. and But, like, making them... That's, that's really good with just the music, I'm sure. Yeah, and... And also, like, there's that, and the scene that I bet would also be really great is when, uh, it's like Kylo is like manifested in Ray's hut, and they like touch hands and they have that connection. I bet that would be like really awesome with, with with just the score. So I'm I'm definitely want to check that out, and I think it. And I'm I'm gonna be completely honest with this conversation. It really did make me appreciate the Last Jedi more. Uh, our rating system is uh, we've recently changed it to out of ten, just because I think it's a little it's, you know can be equated a little bit easier, and there's a little bit more leeway with um with saying like you know with rating the film. So originally I was thinking that I was gonna give this film like a six out of ten, which is not a bad movie, but now I'm actually leaning more towards like a seven point five because now I have this this newfound appreciation i'm actually dis- like talking with about this about this film this polarizing film with you know you jim who like absolutely loved the film and you're, you're giving me an and which is i feel like the lone dissent opinion and it's opinion i haven't really been hearing that much and really defending it and and it's really you know making me appreciate it more so i i think i'm definitely going to change my my rating of this film to from a 6 to a seven and a half out of ten, like I, I really have a newfound appreciation for this movie, and and I do, I mean, I, I was gonna recommend it either way, like a very like a strong recommendation, but yeah, I, I thank you for that for the new you know appreciation of the film, and same to you, Brian, like having you know the newfound conversation, especially some time after the film came out. Yeah. So if you I, wanna, yeah, I guess I'll take the next one, and then Jim can finish it off with us. Um, I think so. For me, I'll, I'll give this a solid eight out of ten, and. I think just because, I mean, I, I think I'm kind of the worst person to be a critic for Star Wars because it's like, I just have fun with it and I try not to, like, get too bogged down with, like, the politics of bullshit and whatever. Yeah. Um, as you should. And um, so I'm not, like, too, like, 
I'm not the like objective voice of like what's wrong or what's good. But eight out of ten, um, I, it's like subversion of of uh, of like a story. It's a, it's an interesting take. It's a fresh take. Um, yeah, it's 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 honestly, it's probably one of the best looking Star Wars films, probably after Revenge of the Sith, and that might be a controversial opinion, but definitely that. Um, yeah, it's just a refreshing take on the on the new saga, and I'm excited to keep going forward with with the films. Hopefully, the franchise doesn't die out, which it won't. But it definitely won't. It's it's it won't. It's it's um, too much of an icon. And oh yeah, and, and I, I guess I say that like sarcastically, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Like the the fans don't ruin it. Um, yeah, but, but yeah, so that's that's ours, uh, Jim. What do you what did you what do you think about uh where, where would you uh recommend and rate Star Wars or the Last Jedi? Yeah, first of all, well, first of all, I would say again. I mean, I said a million times today, I guess, but I would, I would really recommend the silent version to you guys, especially because I think the things that have been mentioned as criticisms are not as prominent. I mean, again, like even that third plot line, um, a lot of the dialogue, it feels kind of like it bogs it down and doesn't really have anything to do with anything. It's not there <laughs> in the silent version. And I think the end actually works way better in the silent version because I think the music kind of hits more that tone that, that I would agree uh, is is more appropriate is more appropriate for the ending than, than what they came up with. So, as far as rating the movie goes, uh, you know, I, for me, there's two separate movies here, and I mean, the theatrical release, uh, which I still loved, I would say is you know, for me, probably you know, eight point five out of ten. Uh, but I would give the silent or score only version a solid nine point five out of ten. It would go. It would. Uh, well, that's, I mean, that's, I, I was expecting, especially hearing you talk, I, I was expecting a, a high recommendation, but yeah, and, and that's a, a, a very, it, it makes me want to watch a silent movie. I, I'm, I'm hoping for the viewer or the listeners, they also are thinking, even if they, I mean, I didn't even know there was a silent version of this. So hopefully people get, they, they have that click, that clicking moment of, wow, that actually sounds really awesome. So yeah, I mean, and with that, that I guess that concludes our, our discussion of The Last Jedi. And Jim, I just want to say thank you again for coming on the show. It's, it's been awesome talking with you, hearing your story, talking Star Wars with you. It, I just, I, I had a great experience. We've been talking for, what, like two hours, two and a half hours, and it's, it, it, it just seemed like it just flew by. It, yeah, yeah, thank you so much for lending us your time and giving us you know and imparting wisdom as well yeah, yeah it's just it's great I, I, I'm super I, I'm so happy this was able to work out it, it's especially despite all the technical issues we had before we were uh, trying to record but I'm so glad it was able to work out well, that's, part, that's partly yeah that, and that's partly me too my uh, it's the irony of me working in the, the most technological art form there is and I write and writing for American Cinematographer Magazine and all this kind of stuff is I'm completely hopeless when it comes to doing anything technical myself I'm an absolute ambassador so uh, but anyway but I had a great time too and uh, you know it was great to talk movies with you guys and uh, thanks for giving me the opportunity to talk about my own movies and talk about the Last Jedi movie that I feel is Oh yeah, and and like and like you said earlier, it's it's all about the journey, which it d- doesn't matter about the technical stuff, and it, it's it's all about this conversation right here and what we all take from it. So yeah, just once again, I just want to say thank you again, and and, and hopefully we can have you back on um, with uh, and just talk more movies or or what if if you have a new film coming out, you could give us the scoop of it before it comes out, give us a give us an interview, and we'd love to talk about it, and give us and give. 
give our feedback on your newest uh, endeavors. So, all right, awesome. Well, all right. Well, with that, guys, I uh, just like to thank you all for listening. And again, once always, stay tuned for more episodes that are on the way. So, have a great night. Thank you for listening to this episode of Amateur All Tours. Cover design was created by Sarah Jacobs. You can find more of her work at our own website, Digital Adventures. The opening theme, Dreams, is composed by Joachim Garid. This composition was found using a Creative Commons search. As a small plug, go check out both Sarah and Joachim's work. They're really great and deserve the attention. If you want to drop us a line, which we full-heartedly support, please feel free to contact us at our email, theamateuraltourspodcast at gmail.com. Remember, that is one word. You can also find us at Twitter at amateuraltourspod. Once again, thank you for supporting the show. Stay tuned for more episodes, and thank you once again. Thank you.